Some time ago, I was doing a wedding for a young couple, and um, I'd laid out some scriptures that are often used and, and suggested that they could pick out one and we'd focus on that. And they chose 1 Corinthians 13, and um, it's often used in... Uh, I was just kind of, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I wasn't particularly... Um, affected by it. I've just figured I'll find some stuff. And, but it, it uh, became fascinating for me again. And so I, I want to go through some of the things connected with it. Um, in this particular passage, Paul has been fixing some things in regard to the Corinthian church. And he starts dealing with spiritual gifts. And he in the 12th chapter, and in the 14th chapter, he does a fairly extensive writing on his thoughts on such things. But right in the middle, he says, there's something even more important than your gifts. And uh, he says, that's love. And he walks through a number of things. He says, uh, it's greater than tongues. He says it's greater than wisdom that would come through supernaturally. It's greater than prophecy, you know, which, uh, you know, you look at and go, that's, it's pretty amazing when prophetic things happen and our lives are affected by such things. It, you know, we're kind of going, man, I, I, I sense God in this moment. He also said it's, it's more important than mountain-moving faith, so to speak. He says... This, this aspect of love is more important than, you know, what we would look at somebody that has a gift like that, and we kind of want to elevate them and, and say, this is amazing. You know, that, if we could all just be like that. Uh, he goes on and gets a few other things. He, he, he covers extreme generosity. You know, if you give away everything you have without love, that he says it's just not that good. And even martyrdom. If you were to die for the gospel but not be loving, that would be a waste. So he really is hammering at some things, right? I, uh, I knew a man I met when I was living in San Diego. Uh, he was an older gentleman, and we had taken some people over to help clean his house. And, his story was coming out, and I just knew him as a very happy, gracious person. And it turned out that he had been a missionary in India for 20 years, lived on practically nothing. And he says, I didn't really meet the Lord until I came back. And he, he felt like that 20 years had been wasted. And I just go, you got to be kidding. But he said, no, I don't feel like I had a relationship with God. I was doing good works. And I was pouring out my life. But it really wasn't in connection with the Lord. So it, it can happen, such things. So let's, let's get into some of these things. Um, we, even though this was written for the, a church and for the community of believers, we often take it into marriage relationships, right? And that's why the wedding connection. 
You know, and that was kind of my first thought. Well, yeah, I know this is common marriage stuff, but its first application is the church and, and the relationships that we develop. But it's, it does apply into marriage as well. It's like when you first meet someone, um, generally it's physical attraction that takes it the next step, right? You, you see someone that beautiful or handsome or gorgeous, you know, all those terms start coming out and you're going, I'm interested in that. And then the next thought is, I hope they have a brain, you know? Well, it's true, right? You know, I, I, it'd be nice if they could carry on a conversation. Um, but, you know, it, 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 it goes on. And, and then there's, you know, taking it a step further going, I like gummy bears and you like gummy bears. I like the food co-op, you like the food co-op. I like plaid, you like you know, and, and it's that emotional starting to bond and connect, tastes and such. But truthfully, having somebody that's, that's beautiful and has a brain isn't enough to make a good marriage, right? We know that. And, and we've seen situations where People are nasty, even though they might be brilliant and gorgeous. And, you know, it, that, that's not enough. And even the, the emotional connect, I mean, the warm fuzzies don't last forever. And you may move on from gummy bears to something else. You know, it, it's, that's just reality. So... It's important to, to look at something like this, and, and really, we use the same term of love, but it, it's a vastly different approach. He says, uh, love is patient. And my first thought with that is that it assumes something is not quite the way that I want it to be. It means I'm living with a certain discomfort and yet I'm willing to continue in that for the sake of this relationship. That maybe they're going to change, maybe they aren't, but there's a certain discomfort that I'm willing to accept. In other words, that's a response, right? I'm going to respond to this situation that I don't necessarily like and say, I'm still going to invest in this and, ex and walk with this because it's in, the relationship's more important to me. That's what patience is about, right? Patience is living with a, a discomfort and saying, I'll, I'll live with this. So it's a response. And it's a response that says, you're more important to me than this particular incident or habit that you have. The, uh, the second thing, though, it says that love is kind. And that's the assertive side. It's not responding to the other, but it's 
looking and saying, I will make choices and do things that bring honor and pleasure and benefit to this person. So it's the first one that we looked at is that response to what they're doing, but the second one is not being the responder. It's saying, I'm going to initiate acts of benefit for another. And so again, in both the, like a marital relationship, but in family, but also as community, that's extremely valuable, right? That we not only respond, but we also initiate. But how we do so is extremely important. It goes on, love is not envious. And that's essentially looking at another situation and saying, I would, I would rather have that than mine. Or I'd rather have what they have or be what they are or, you know. And, and we can look around and say, they seemingly have a better situation than mine. But it, it doesn't spend, love doesn't spend its time wishing for that. You know, there's really no room to enjoy another's successes or benefits or the things that they're gaining if we're wishing all the time that we had their place. We don't, get, we don't celebrate the good that's taking place in their lives if, if we're jealous, envious of their situation. So we, we don't... We can't walk in the joy that's available to us if we're constantly evaluating what others have or what others are and trying to say, why not me? It just doesn't have room that way. It says, love does not brag. And I look at that and say, there's the attitude that says, I can do this. In other words, it's about me and I can over, you know, it's, it, it's not looking at the, the group thing. But also it often is accompanied by this stepping on another to raise ourselves up. And it's like, if, if I have it, maybe others can't. And so again, the, the, the bragging would be, I've got it and you don't, too bad. There's not that room for sharing, right, and compassion. It says love is not puffed up. You know, it's just that pride and arrogance don't have room for others. And if we are thinking that we're all that, then we don't want anyone to tarnish what we have or who we are or diminish us, our spotlight in some way. And... Love doesn't function that way. And in a community, it certainly works better not to be that way. It says, love is not rude. It doesn't force its way. Uh, when you try to think of an example of rudeness, um, the first thing that comes to mind for me is somebody jumping line. Right? Or grabbing all the best out of a, a plate or a meal or, you know, taking care of themselves and then um, looking, hope there's enough for you too. 
we have a family story. We had invited a person over one time, and they loved potatoes. And by the time they were done, everybody else got a little. <laughs> and it, it seems so silly to us in the moment, but it was like there was no consciousness of others. And, and I, I look at that as they were lacking social skill in that moment, but there was a certain rudeness that was just forcing what they wanted. And that doesn't handle well in community. So again, Paul's saying, real love, ex- expressed how God wants it, isn't rude with each other. It's not self-seeking or self-serving. So it's not just trying to gather for the individual, but it, it has this awareness of both. And, and again, when we're talking even marriage relationship, man, it, how often do we say, well, I want this, rather than what, what should we do? You know, and it's, it's almost like if I don't get my way, then you get yours. Or if I don't get my way, I'm just going to be miserable and you're going to be happy. You know, it, it's just that kind of thinking just is not healthy. So um, he goes on. He, I mean, he just keeps piling on things. He says it's not easily angered or resentful. And in that sense, anger has to be managed, right? All of us have the adrenaline rush of, let's, I need to do something. You know, it, it, it is, in its positive form, it's a good thing. It moves us into action. So that, that being wound, you know, to just get a poke and say, let's go, that's, that's valuable, but he's, he's talking about the two extremes and saying that quick fuse, that doesn't help things. You know, and the quick to respond in a fight is, it, often you don't think through really what you truly want to accomplish. And it can actually damage another. Or on the other hand, if, if you're bearing, the kind of bears grudges, probably you're not speaking up early enough and in a way that's healthy. And it's just carrying that over and, you know, through and through. And it, it begins to taint everything that you see and, and how you view others. So he, he goes to the two extremes, you know, that, that explosiveness or that, um, that bearing grudges. It, it just doesn't work in community. It doesn't work in marriage. Love is not glad about injustice, but rejoices in the truth. And I think maybe this is one of the more difficult sections in regard to the, to the thing. But I think it, I think, as one of the guys I was reading says, it, it doesn't rejoice in vice, but in virtue. It's not, it's not rejoicing when others fail but it's rejoicing when they have success. It's looking around and not waiting for a failure and not celebrating when somebody finally gets theirs, but it's rather 
looking for things to celebrate that are, are good and rejoicing in the things that work well. It isn't happy about others' mistreatment or failure. It doesn't have room for slanderous conversation. You know, it's, it's not the gossipy approach to life. And, and we, we, we recognize these things, but he's saying, these are the attributes of, of true love. You know, we, we, we get this love God and love others. That's the big picture, right? Now he's, he's put some definition to it and saying, even more than our spiritual gifts, this needs to be the mark of who we are as a people. And it, if you want a healthy marriage relationship, this is who you are as a couple. He puts four things together and says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. But that bears all things... Again, it's like that patience thing. It's willing to not make an emphasis on failures. It's willing to, in a sense, live with some of the dirt that's connected with the group as a whole. Not rejoicing in it, not celebrating, not not saying it's a good thing, but just unwilling to make it the focal point. Often do you leave a place or a setting, climb in the car, and have the conversation on the way home. I didn't like what they said about this. I don't like what they've done here. I don't. And this, this is a declaration that love doesn't hone in on those things and look for the opportunity to start uh, going after it, so to speak. Bears all things, believes all things. And it's, it's not the naiveness, but it's a willingness to look for the good and, and, and focus on that. Endures all things. There's a sentence I found. Bears up under maltreatment from friends and enemies. Thought that was pretty good. Bears up under maltreatment from friends and enemies. It happens, right? Even those closest to us at times do things that, that hurt or say things that, that wound. And there are moments when you, you have this choice. What are you going to do with it? Just going to hang on to it? Going to fight back? Going to be angry? Maybe... Maybe the best choice is saying, for the well-being of this relationship, I'm just moving on. Only in the Lord can we release that, right? But we trust him every day to release us from things. And, And so in some ways, he's asking of us to be willing to release as well. And, you know, I... I am leaning on that 70 times 7 thing every time I go to the Lord. You told us to do this. I'm trusting you to do that for me. And there has to be a willingness to respond with the 70 times 7, right? He says, love never ends. 
The idea of loving God and loving others is eternal. And then he, he readdresses some of these spiritual gifts things. He says, tongues, uh, it's temporal. Prophecy, it's not going to be going on into eternity. Um, it, it's, it, it has its moment. It has its, I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing for the community now, but it's not part of the eternal. It's not in the next life. And, and in the same way, you know, the, the wisdom that's of this day is going to be completely blown away by the wisdom of eternity. And, and so he's saying, let's not hone in on the temporal things, knowing that there's an eternal item that goes on and on and on and on. And so when we go back to this and, and take his definition of love, well, leaves plenty of room for all of us, right? Plenty of room in marriage, plenty of room in community to practice what he says is even more important than the gifts that we hold. So even though we've read this many times, it still has truth that opens up. It seems like every time we go after it. Thanks to the Lord. We're going to pray for God's blessing upon you. Your blessing rest on these, your people. And they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. They discover with joy what it is to walk in your love and to love others. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.